0: From Yahoo Finance, this is Ballots and Dollars, a podcast about the politics that affect your pocketbook. I'm Rick Newman. And I'm Alexis
1: Christophoris. And today we are talking about the Democrats' three worst ideas, not according to Rick Newman and myself, but according to swing voters in four states, namely Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. And Rick, perhaps not surprisingly, the most progressive policies are the most unpopular. Let's start with the most unpopular idea. 71% of voters in those swing states said amnesty at the border is a bad idea.
0: Yeah, and there are some uh, some Democrats who they they're not exactly saying amnesty, let, let everybody come running across mm-hmm. the border, but they're saying uh, re- repeal the criminal statute for entering the country without permission. Um, just, um, you know, that you, we've heard this uh, abolish ICE is one of the rallying cries. Now, we're not hearing any presidential candidates say abolish ICE, but we are hearing them say let's have a much more lenient uh, policy toward undocumented people trying to get into the country uh, across the border. And that's not popular. Um, that is not one of the bigger talking points on the Democratic side. Basically, they just say stop the cruelty under President Trump. Uh, but this is not a winning uh, stance to take uh, in these swing states. And the reason we're looking at this one survey is these are the swing states, the, the four states you mentioned. Uh, let's see if I can remember them. Michigan, <laughs> Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. Oh, you
1: get 100 uh, um, percent.
0: Very important to the uh, 2020 election and quite possible that those uh, the way those states go will determine who the winner is. And by the way, this is all from a A a large new survey from the Kaiser Family Foundation in the Cook Political Report. I Mm -hmm. always tell people, go look up the information we're talking about. You can get it. It's called the Blue Wall Voices Project. Uh, It's a meaty uh, meaty survey of more than 3,000 voters in those four states. And it's some good information in there. So worth paying attention to.
1: All right. So we know that amnesty at the border, bad idea, according to most voters in those swing states. The next bad idea... Uh, Medicare for all 62% Mm -hmm. think this is not the way to go and and we actually saw Senator Warren sort of backtrack her Medicare for all very, very recently. I wonder if she got a load of (laughs) of this survey now talking about changing that Medicare for all program up a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think this is one of the most important findings from this survey. So, again, what the survey says, they ask people, do you think this policy is a good idea or a bad idea? And 62 percent said Medicare for all is a bad idea. That's a big negative number, 62 percent. Uh, And this is a mix of Democrats, Republicans and independents. So it's all the people who will be voting. Um, It's not just Democrats. Um, It's all it's everybody who theoretically would be voting in a general election. And um, I, I mean, this is just not surprising. So among the Democratic Party, Medicare for all is more popular. But even among the Democratic Party, uh i mean it's it's actually declining in popularity as people learn the details and when you say medicare for all some people think well all that means is everybody gets free health care. that sounds like a good idea but when you say well what that really means is uh, we're going to eliminate private insurance that covers 170 million people so if you have if you're one of the 50% of americans who is covered by private insurance you're not going to have that anymore it's going to go away and you're going to get Pushed into a government program, people say, "Wait a minute, that doesn't sound Mm -hmm. so great at all." And then, by the way, um, they're going to have to be new taxes somewhere uh, to pay for this, and it can't all be paid for by taxing the rich more. Um, Although Elizabeth Warren says it can, uh, most experts say she's wrong about that. So this is just not a winning idea among the general uh, general population. And the reason this matters for the Democrats, I mean, it really is a dividing line among the Democrats. I mean, so you can pretty much stake out the progressive side that leans far to the left from the people who lean more to the center. So uh, Elizabeth Warren is the leading progressive at this point who backs Medicare for all. And of course, Bernie Sanders does too. And then you've got uh, Cory Booker and Kamala Harris uh, and a few other um, less competitive candidates do. And then, uh, then you have Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg, the most prominent candidates who say, no, that is not the way to go. We need a more modest uh, public option that's going to preserve the uh, private health care system. And the the voting public seems to be with the moderates, Biden and Buttigieg on this. Um, so that tells you if Warren becomes the nominee, this this topic is going to be a problem for her in a general election against Donald Trump. What
1: has she said very recently about how she might mm-hmm. change up her Medicare for all program? Well, though?
0: she has a backup plan now. OK. <laughs> so so uh, she, uh, you know, for months she said, I'm with Bernie. And what that means is she backs the uh, the legislation, the Medicare for all legislation that Bernie Sanders actually wrote, remember, he wrote the damn bill. He's very proud of that. Um, and that, his that is words, a, right? that's yes, what it's his said, words, right? Yes, that's his words in the debate in one of the debates. And uh, that's a, just a giant transformation away from uh, the healthcare system as we know it to a, a, a single payer plan totally run by the government. So uh, she got pressured. Well, you back it. How are you going to pay for it? She did come out with a financing plan that got a lot of criticism, a lot of critica- criticism because analysts said she's underestimating how much it will cost by a lot. And then she came out with something she called a transition plan. Hmm. So her transition to Medicare for all. Uh, would take place in the first couple of years of the Elizabeth Warren administration were she to become president. And it would st- set up something that actually looks quite like what Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg are calling for, which is a public option that leaves the private um, health care system in place. So she would set up this public option. It would either be part of Medicare or it, uh, it would be similar to Medicare. And uh, people would ha- would be allowed to enroll in this. Um, if they met certain conditions, and uh, also you might have the option if you already have private insurance. So what Elizabeth Warren is saying, she thinks that if there were a public option that basically competes with um, private insurance plans, uh, the public option would be so much better, so much cheaper, if it would offer so much more bang for the buck that people would just ditch private plans uh, en masse and enroll in this, and that would basically... Uh, sort of destroy the private health insurance industry on its own. And then Medicare for all becomes a de facto reality. Uh, That's a big leap of faith. That's a huge leap. Thank you for your skepticism. It's a huge leap (laughs) of faith. Um, And I've talked to some analysts about this and they say she's uh, that that really underestimates the uh, agility of the private sector um, that, you know, the ability to respond to competitive threats. Uh, to um, make changes quickly, which the government cannot do, and the other, you know, the other things that um, keep companies in business. You know, I have to for say decades. I,
1: because when we do the show here, we're looking at at the day to day gyrations of the market, and we did see healthcare stocks get a big boost once uh, Warren announced these slight changes to yeah. to Medicare for all so she now has two plans
0: and so um you know it's a little I, I can't guess what she's thinking like does she really mean I
1: think she's trying to appeal to the masses she's to trying to have it she's trying she to have it both can. ways right. I,
0: I think that's a reasonable thing to say so she doesn't just have a plan for everything she has two plans right for the this case if you don't like this well, one got she's got one. another plan and by the way you know depending on which audience she's addressing she can either tout Medicare for all so if she's you know if she's talking to Super liberal uh, Democratic primary voter. She can talk up her Medicare for All plan. And if she wins a nomination and she's talking to general election voters, she can talk up her transitional public option plan that for at least a couple of years would leave the private system in place and probably would actually leave the private system in place for much longer than that. Um, but anyway, at any rate, um, she does seem to be acknowledging what we're talking about here, which is that uh, the, pop- the voting population does not like Medicare for all.
1: Interesting how she's now going to take this information, which, you know, her team has got to have and use it in the next debate. And if we're going to see the rhetoric really change. Uh, from Warren and possibly from Sanders. Well, I'll, I'll, give you a pre- so. I'll give you
0: a preview of that. So on the same day that she released her transition plan, which again looks like the Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg plan. Hmm. Both of those candidates blasted her for basically trying to have it both ways. Trying to, they're, they're kind of like, hey, you're stealing our idea. Like that, obviously, we pointed out to you the error of your ways, and thank you know. But you know, at least acknowledge what you're doing here. Right. So that's a preview of what we're probably going to see in in forthcoming debates when they talk about health care, which they're going to do.
1: Oh, you know it. All right. And then another one. We haven't heard a lot about this, I feel, during the debates, but we may start because it's one of those big issues that voters in swing states is having is the talk around fracking. Right. So 54 percent of voters in these four swing states think this
0: is a bad idea they, the, to ban fracking. They're saying banning fracking is a bad idea. And think about the states we're talking about here um, so, to my mind of, of of the four, three of them don't have any real fracking that's uh, Michigan, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. Uh, and even even given that they don't, that's not a big industry in those states. They're still saying we think banning fracking is a bad idea. Uh, Pennsylvania does have fracking. Uh, I'm from Pittsburgh, and there's fracking in southwestern Pennsylvania and southeast Ohio. That's actually become a, a kind of a big job mm-hmm. provider and an important part of the economy. And then also in northwest Pennsylvania, which I think it's the Marcellus Shale that's there bordering New York State. Um, I I don't I don't see how Elizabeth Warren can win Pennsylvania if she actually sticks with her. So again, she's the one who wants to ban fracking, um, and that's why they're asking it in this poll. Um, and this is this is this kind of aligns with the Green New Deal. You know, get rid of all fossil fuels, uh, begin this rapid transition away from fossil fuel production to renewables uh, and um, things that don't pollute um, and how do you do that you um, you know one way to do it is just to ban the fossil fuel industries that you don't like uh, and spend taxpayer dollars to promote the other industries I just don't think she I don't think she can I, I, she's in a box again because if she becomes a nominee Pennsylvania is a crucial state um, so is Ohio by the way I mean Ohio kind of leans red but it's I think it's still in the swing state category. Uh, and we've talked about this before. There's even been talk that uh, a good Democratic candidate could win Texas this year. Right. No chance of that if Elizabeth Warren's president. So, so you know, on these, uh, it's, it's just interesting that the progressive Democrats are out of step with the broader population on these three topics. Um, and they're going to be important topics in the general election. Though
1: Green New Deal, 67 percent of voters in those me. swing states, yes, actually think that's a good idea, that the Green New Deal is a good idea. And, you, and as you said at the top of the podcast, these voters are not all Democrats. These are independents and Republicans right. in these states.
0: Yeah, that surprised me. And I, um, given the way uh, the, the voter responses are leaning in these other questions, I think that reflects... The likelihood that people just don't know the details mm-hmm. of the green new deal in fact it sounds the, the, good to them on the surface well the green new deal is um uh, is it is an actual outline of a plan by uh alexandria ocasio cortez aoc and bernie sanders and some others ed markey in the senate so it's not technically legislation because they didn't present it as legislation they presented it as kind of a vision statement um But if you if you take this vision statement literally, it's actually a terrible idea. And I think if you told people, uh, you know, they want to, you know, Bernie Sanders favors government control of the electricity sector um, Mm. and uh, a heavy regulatory intervention in the auto industry to basically force automakers to make more electric cars that are way more expensive than a gas powered car and have range issues, and they would, you know, sort of be. Uh, forcing people to buy these vehicles, I mean, that are not economic not. I, don't e- know. I hear today. socialism knocking at the door, right? Uh, you know, the Green New Deal itself has guaranteed jobs socialist tendencies. guaranteed job for everybody. Your government can't guarantee a job for everybody. It's got all these, uh, you know, it's got free health care for everybody, which has not, you know, is not related to the environmental crisis we're facing, global warming. Um, Somebody, uh, there was a a think tank in Washington that put a cost on the Green New Deal, um, and they acknowledge, you know, this this plan is so vague; they're not giving us much to go on here, but. I think they came up with $80 trillion over 10 years. I mean, that's $8 trillion a year. It makes
1: that Medicare for all plan look pretty good. Well, I mean,
0: the government only spends around $3 trillion per year. So your climate plan is going Mm -hmm. to, like, triple federal spending, which means it has to also triple um, federal tax collection. So I think, you know, so let's go back to this. Uh sixty-seven percent think the Green New Deal is a good idea. I I think they don't know what exactly it entails, according to you know, the true believers in the Green New Deal.
1: Okay, I want to uh broaden this discussion a little bit, also talk about Trump for a moment because they did touch on that in yeah. this survey. Um the voters in the four states we're talking about say that Trump tariffs will help the U.S. economy. Twenty-nine percent of them said that. An overwhelming 55 percent believe that the Trump tariffs will hurt the U.S. economy. So it shows that Trump is pretty vulnerable here, too.
0: Yeah, and that, I think that's a good point. So it's not as if Trump is getting everything right with voters and the Democrats are just bumbling along. I mean, Trump is getting some things wrong, too. Um, and uh, people just don't they don't like the tariffs. They don't uh, they don't think they're effective. And that's basically what economists say. So, I mean, voters are actually getting that right. Um, I, so we're, you know, we're talking about an election that will be a year from now. Um, Trump, so Trump, you know, he has access to the same types of polling. He knows, he knows, he should know what the polls say. Now he says, well, I'm tariff man, and this is just the way to go. Uh, you know, is. Is there enough of a pragmatist in Trump where he will say, look, I just have to accept what my uh, pollsters are telling me about how these tariffs are playing? Is he, or is he just going to not believe any of it and say this is what I stand for and that's it? Um, he's got a year. Um, so there is you know, some wiggle room to wrap up. I mean mostly we're talking about the trade war with China. There is some wiggle room, some time there to wrap up this trade war with China. Um, but theres it's not clear he can do that. Um, and it seems the most likely outcome, if we get any kind of deal with China, is going to be one that um, accomplishes a little bit but probably leaves the ex- existing Trump tariffs in place. So mm-hmm. that's the, so. there's a, a good chance these Trump tariffs will be still in place uh, you know, on Election Day 2020. And these are hurting farmers. Uh, they are hurting the manufacturing sector because, the, because manufacturers are paying more for inputs like steel and aluminum. And uh, farmers, of course, are um, finding access to China, the China market cut off as a retaliatory measure. So so that's definitely working against or Trump. Or does
1: he step it back a bit the way we've seen a lot of politicians do? And, and perhaps surprisingly, very recently, Michael Bloomberg, who was not really in the race with both uh, feet, yeah. um, walked back his uh, stop and frisk <clears throat> policy, something that he was heavily criticized for when he was mayor of New York City. Yeah. Uh, now apologizing Two possible constituents uh, recently saying that he made a mistake. Might Trump, as it gets closer to election time, realizing he's losing his constituents with the tariffs, roll those tariffs back?
0: Have you ever heard Trump admit a mistake?
1: <laughs> Not yet, but there's always time. I, uh... Maybe he does it without admitting that he was wrong.
0: Well, you know, you and I good. talked before about that note that Greg, Greg Valier, the political analyst who uh, is a friend of Yahoo Finance, yes. p- uh, put out pointing all the apologies that the Democrats are making, whereas Trump is making no apologies whatsoever. Mm. Uh, you know, I just analyzed a big uh, economic speech Trump gave, and um, I fact-checked it and found 22 large lies
1: at the New York um, Economics Club yes, in New York? Yes, Okay.
0: Uh, not – and I, I tried to just put aside the sort of matters of opinion types, type of things um, and just focused on statements of fact that are blatantly untrue. 22 large ones. That's a lot. Can you and, share any of them?
1: Do you remember any well, of them? Well, let's
0: talk about the trade war. Um, so he has been saying over and over uh, we're making billions from China on these tariffs. So as a way of answering your question, I think Trump is just more likely to lie about mm. his about the tariffs – uh, than to say, I, I admit, I, you know, maybe I went too far or admit some kind of mistake. I mean, so he has been saying this over and over. In fact, Ben Workshall, who's one of our producers, actually counted the amount of times, the number of times Trump has said publicly, China is paying the tariffs uh, and we got to over 100. So he's now told that lie publicly over 100 times. Tar- that is not how tariffs work. Tariffs are a tax on the American importer. The American importer pays that, and then uh, there's this kind of battle to see how much of that added cost can they pass along to the companies that have to buy those products, which is manufacturers in many cases, and then how much of that can be passed on to consumers. So far, not much of it is being passed on to consumers. It's not showing up in inflation not yet, data. Not yet. But uh, if that those mean, December
1: that means, 15th tariffs go into place, that's I another big start one. to see it. So
0: that means the cost is being eaten by the manufacturers. And lo and behold, we do have a manufacturing slowdown. We have had de- We have a declining manufacturing sector. It's technically in a recession uh, and we've actually seen uh, some modest job losses in the manufacturing sector. So the Trump tariffs are hurting, but he's not acknowledging. He's saying we're making a lot of money from China. That's a lie. Do you have a, an article out about the 22 uh,
1: yes. things that he misspoke about? Yep.
0: It's on it's the site right this now. This
1: week in Trumponomics, 22
0: glaring lies.
1: Going to check it out on the website. All right. How many of the voters in these four swing states are actually undecided? Because I would imagine that's the group it's all the, these candidates really need to focus yeah, on. Yeah,
0: that's a key question because does any of, the, does any of this matter? This, what we're talking about, is anybody's mind still open? Right. Is Are there any persuadable voters out there? It looks like there are. It looks like there are un- uh, persuadable voters. So uh, they uh, so, so again this survey I'll I'll mention it again it's the Blue Wall Voices project by the Kaiser Foundation and Cook Political Report excellent research uh, they found uh, 23% of the voters they surveyed say they're undecided 23%
1: that seems that's, like a large that's portion a large, to me. I would think it is uh, with and, the election now a year
0: away almost yeah, to the and day and i think um, uh, it's kind of in, it kind of intuitively makes sense so that includes some people who voted for Trump and they regret it they look, they're, they're, they look at what's happening in the White House. They thought, I thought he would behave more presidentially. Uh, he's not. This is an embarrassment. So they don't want to stick uh, some former Trump voters who are not happy with his performance. Uh, but then you've also got people who are don't know who the Democrat is going to be, and they hear all these government takeover ideas uh, and they do hear Trump talking about the Democrats as socialists, which I think will be a vulnerable, a vulnerability. Mm-hmm. If Elizabeth Warren, for example, is the nominee, I think um, Trump will be pretty effective at, in his messaging campaign, even if that's not technically true. Uh, and then there might be some some who are who uh, who are who lean Democratic. Um, but again, they're they they do not want to vote. They don't want to vote to give up their private health care. So um, what we don't know yet uh, and remember it's it's not 100% clear that Trump will even be the nominee. I mean, you know, there's been a, you keep re- a saying recent that. He- well. You keep saying You keep saying percent you think the impeachment
1: hearings might get to the point where he is actually removed from office?
0: I mean, there are theories that um uh I mean there are a number of ways he could not be the nominee for the Republicans. Um there could be a health issue. So he's said 73, right? And we've recently seen this um very fast surprise visit to the Walter Reed uh, Medical Center in D.C. Unannounced, un, unscheduled. Uh, nobody, White House coming out though what, and
1: saying everything is fine. He well, just had time in his are. schedule to
0: do it, so he uh, decided to uh, go of for course the checkup. That, that doesn't hold water. So you don't get a physical. You don't get an annual physical in installments over a period of six months. Mm-hmm. That's what they're saying. The, so but they, even his, so doctor saying well. his doctor is saying all as well.
1: His doctor is saying all as well.
0: You don't believe it. Uh, I don't believe, I don't necessarily believe the doctors are telling the truth. I mean, there's, there's precedent in this administration and in other administrations. Um, you know, it's, there are other ways. I mean, it doesn't look like Trump, Trump is going to be removed from office by the Senate convicting him of impeachment crimes. Um, but you never know. uh, So anyway, um, if Trump is the nominee and he's running for reelection, uh, what we don't know is how much are going are how much will the election just be a referendum on Trump in other words vote to keep him or vote to boot him and how much will the election be on actual issues you know things people care about so um, if the economy stays strong as it is now people will vote less on the economy but health care is a big issue I mean even with a with a strong economy even people who have good health care coverage find it too expensive um, so so will they vote the party line or are they going to vote Issues. Yeah, I'll and, and I and I think the the biggest thing we the biggest factor is who's the Democratic candidate. I mean, right, we, which is the big unknown at yeah, the moment. I mean, in a way, it it's just meaningless to even try to guess because you you don't know who Trump's running. Well, I we're going
1: to keep trying, you know. And podcasts after this, we're going to keep on trying to guess.
0: uh, We're we're going to (laughs) know.
1: But, you know, between now and November 2020, a lot of things can happen with regards to the economy and the stock market. And if those two things aren't looking as groovy as they are right now, that could definitely sway some of these undecided voters. In fact,
0: um, I think one of the reasons so uh, analysts look and say, wow, Trump's uh, approval ratings have never gotten above 50 percent, but they've been remarkably stable in the low 40% range, and the reason they've been stable is because the economy has held up. So um, you know, the Trump base, the people who would vote for him no matter what, it's not the 42% who give him a positive approval rating. It's considerably less than that. It might be 20%, but the rest are sticking with Trump largely because the economy's good, they feel like they've gotten uh, ahead under Trump, they feel like they're better off, and they say to themselves, "Uh, maybe we should stick with this. All right. Well, listen,
1: we want to thank everybody for sticking with us and listening to this podcast today. You can always follow us at Alexis TV News
0: at Rick J. Newman.
1: All right. We'll catch you next time. Be sure to rate and review what you just heard. And thanks for listening.